the end of the day, the consumer is the most important aspect of all of the advertising. Consumers are tired of, of advertising at times. Welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes podcast. Each episode features an interview with today's leaders in advertising technology. If you're working in ad tech and always wanted to sit down and pick the brains of today's experts, then this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we meet a new ad tech hero. Hello and welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about people and technology, and I'm delighted to be joined by Vincent Paolozzi. Vincent is the Chief Investment Officer at Canesso. Vincent has over 20 years experience in sales operations, management and planning, and is based out of New York. Hi, Vincent. How's it going? It's going very well, Dal. Great. Happy to be here. Amazing to have you have you on board for our podcast. Really, really excited about uh, having a chat with you today. So, no, I think to to kickstart, it'd be great to uh, understand a little bit about your career and what's got you to where we are today. Sure, I've been uh, fortunate to have a pretty unique career. And you know, if I go way back when I came out of college, I started working for an IT staffing firm uh, right out of college that was placing C plus plus developers into projects at different clients that we were working with. And I I sat in a in a management consulting practice where we would go in and work with chief information officers to identify what their biggest three technology uh, opportunities were, and then certainly try to backfill those projects with, with technology staff. And I think that's really where I got uh, interested in, in technology and how, how it transforms businesses. And I, I really became fascinated with how, how technology can help improve a business. And on those days, we were doing a ton of you know, sales, CRM sort of implementations and helping you know, sales organizations understand how to better manage their, their clients and the people that they were working with. From there, I actually moved into uh, to AOL. And at AOL, I worked in operations for a while. Uh, and I think really getting to understand how ads were served within the, the, the advertising ecosystem was a great foundation for, for my career to, to really, again, understand kind of the back office workings of how ads were, were coming to market. Um, I was fortunate then to move into sales at AOL uh, and, and and started to sell the advertising around all of the AOL properties. And of course, we're, we're all familiar with the fun Time Warner merger back in those days. It gave us just a tremendous amount of assets to be able to bring to uh, to bring to a client that would help them drive solutions that help them to you know, run their business. From, from AOL, I moved on to uh, a company called Spiral Frog, a small little startup company. My first, my first attempt at, at working at a startup, a great opportunity. I think just never came to market as quickly. And it was in the music space and trying to bring you know, free music downloads to people uh, through the the support of, of advertising to support it to allow for the free ads to happen. And then I moved to a company called Interactive One, where I helped them develop uh, the sales organization. And Interactive One was a part of Radio One. So Radio One's probably the seventh largest radio broadcast company in the United States. And they have a ton of radio stations throughout throughout the, the, the U.S. Uh, we were the first ones to come in and start to build uh, an online presence for them and started to build web properties specifically off of those those radio assets and then took it to market. And I think I was fascinated there by, you know, the opportunity to bring a brand new brand uh, back to back to the agency world or to clients to have a whole new set of solutions for them. And, you know, as you're starting to build a new brand, it certainly takes time to build momentum. And so we started actually fulfilling a lot of our inventory assets through places like exchanges. That's where I started to really start to understand more of the programmatic ecosystem mm-hmm. and the effectiveness of, of how, 
how, how pushing inventory into platforms and into exchanges was, was really good at helping us monetize our inventory in those days. And then, you know, about 11 years ago, um, some friends of mine at, at IPG and at Cadreon at the time, uh, were looking to start to develop the infrastructure for programmatic for Cadreon. And I came in to help them build relationships, both with technology partners, with publishing partners, um, to, to really build the infrastructure that even today, 11 years later, we're still operating as a part of Matterkind within IPG. And so it's been a, it's been a fun journey to be able to see many different sides of, of, uh, of, of the ecosystem and, and to be a part of, uh, a part of a lot of, you know, the beginning stages of how things like technology and, and programmatic has come to market. Amazing. I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting and it's probably safe to say, right, that technology has just been, you know, at the forefront of everything that you've done, right, over the years, and and, and technology has probably led the way in in your day to day and being on top of technology and whatnot. Um, so it'd be interesting to understand: are there many differences between working at these kind of ginormous companies like your AOLs versus the small startup that you worked with? What was the difference in technology, or was it just the same technology that was just just being used in a different way? Yeah, I, the startup definitely did not have as as robust of a technology stack back in those days. And, and again, my time at the startup was, was short and only about a year of my, my career. Um, but what was really interesting to me wasn't as much of the technology as it was the solution we were trying to develop. And, and, and that, that solution was trying to actually solve a problem in the market. And, you know, at the time you know, it was the sort of the decline of the, the, the causes of the world or the places where people were, were downloading music for free, but, but, but not necessarily, you know, giving it back to the music artists. And what we were trying to solve for is a way that people could still enjoy music in any way that they wanted for free, but still making sure that the artists were getting the royalties that they deserve for the, for the music that they were creating. And so that's what I liked about the startup. But I think what was hard for me was that in a startup environment, you know, I'm really better when I think you have process and structure and <laughs> support of technology to help support the business. And in the startup environment, that's really hard, especially when you're young. Um, it was fascinating to be able to talk to investors and pitch them the idea to try to get funding to do things. Um, but over time, I think I've just found more comfort in the bigger organizations where you have the support and the infrastructure that you need to operate a business more accordingly. So, and, and, and I think what I found is there's definitely a lot more technology to help you manage and create efficiencies around process and bigger organizations, because you're managing such a a broader spectrum of, of, of people, resources, and opportunities that are going to market. Amazing. And how do you keep on top of technology and the latest technology? Because it seems like every week there's a new, new, new flashy toy that's, that's, uh, that's out there or uh, the next be best thing. So yeah, how do you keep on top of this? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of conversation, I think, is, is where, you know, and, and I'm fortunate to be able to sit in a place within IPG's, you know, mm -hmm. um, hold within the holding company that, it really affords me the opportunity to work really closely with a lot of our biggest partners out there. And, and, and most of the knowledge comes from those conversations and just talking about where, you know, where they're headed as a business and where, what type of, what type of solutions that they're using technology to solve for. Um, certainly there's a, a ton of reading that you do every day in the trades and the press to keep up with what's the latest things that are happening. But, but most of it comes from you know, the relationships that we've been able to build over, over the last 11 years and, and, and having those honest conversations with partners. And I think, I think, you know, one of the most rewarding pieces of my job is, is the aspect of being able to create strong, trusted relationships and partnerships where you can 
not just have a conversation right, traditionally around things like how do you get the best ad rates, but more about how is your, how is your business transforming with technology and how does that help you develop solutions that you're bringing to market that are going to benefit my clients and benefit us as an organization to, to grow the business and, and continue to drive, drive great results for the clients that we work with. Definitely. And, and do you feel that the conversations with publishers are very different to the ones with the advertisers? Um, yeah, it'd be great to understand that dynamic and yeah, how, how those conversations play out with, with each of the two, you know, key, key parts of our industry. Yeah, they're definitely different types of conversations. You know, I think, I think if you're a marketer, you're, or an advertiser, you're, you're looking to do something right here, you're, you're spending dollars in advertising because you want to make sure that you're building a message and a relationship with the consumers that are most, you know, most appealing for your product. And, and, and again, those conversations are, are vast, everything from, you know, where should I put the ad dollars to how do I use technology and infrastructure and platforms to help support the most effective way and an efficient way for, 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 for them to be able to achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve. I think with the partners, it's a, it's a different conversation because it's about here are the assets that I have or the opportunities mm -hmm. I have that can help those, 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 those advertisers connect to the consumers that they can reach through their platforms. And, and, you know, the, the, the publishing partners certainly have, have to spend a lot of time thinking about how they're creating, you know, content and environments mm -hmm. that people want to go and enjoy, uh, but then utilizing that as an avenue to be able to build messaging around that, that allows our advertisers come in and speak to those, 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 those consumers as well. And so, so I, I think the conversations are, are, are similar that everyone wants to find technology and opportunities that are going to make the, their offering as, as effective as it possibly can. Um, but the, the key driver behind all this is people, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the things that, that we're super excited about is at the base of all this, no matter how much technology advances or continues to evolve or how you stay on top of all of it, at the end of the day, it will bring you know, better results, allows us to transact faster, allows us to do many things because of the technology. But at the end of the day, it's the conversations that you're having with people mm -hmm. and how you're connecting people that's most important in what we're trying to accomplish. And, 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 and that's what I think is really exciting is we sit uniquely in between as a advocate for our, our clients to be able to connect them to the publisher worlds that also then connect them to the consumers that are most meaningful for them. Amazing. Um, and, and kind of going back to earlier, we, we spoke about, you know, you've, you've, you've worked in, in operations and management and planning, uh, the different areas. Um, would you say your experience on the operations side initially has helped you in moving to, to the sales side? I do for sure. And, you know, when I was in sales and now I'm, I'm much more in sort of partnership and business development and relationship development for, for IPG and, and the buyer on the buying side. But, but, but I think that that foundation of understanding of, of operations is, 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 is truly beneficial because, you know, the ecosystem that we navigate in the media landscape that continues to transform with data and technology is extremely complex and and I think oftentimes it's really easy for you to go down a rabbit hole to get into the inner workings of the technology to a point where people are just maybe, maybe not fully understanding what it's actually doing. And I think having the experience of understanding how operations are set up and again, how an ad server operates or worse is core to being able to simplify the message, to be able to show the effectiveness of what can be in the value that can drive without making it overly complicated for people. And I think, I think, you know, because the technology and the infrastructure and 
all the different components that are put together for you to be able to navigate sort of an addressable advertising ecosystem is, is so vast. There's hundreds of partners, hundreds of places to navigate. It gets really complicated quickly. And I think, you know, having been rooted in, in kind of operations and how technology infrastructure is developed and built allows me to, to simplify that conversation so people can understand it and make it much more tangible for them on why they want to move in those directions. I think I'd echo that, you know, I've, I've worked with salespeople, um, yeah, for the last kind of 10 to 12 years. And you really can see the difference with the salespeople that have had that operational background or um, in amongst, you know, the SSPs or the technologies, because their their pitch is a lot more consultative uh, and, and it's more based on, I think we touched on like relationships and, and the conversation, as you mentioned, rather than anything else. And it's not just a hard sell, right? So I think this is... It's, it's, it's interesting, um, yeah, having that background in operations does actually help um, salespeople. But, you know, salespeople probably don't think that off, or right off the bat, right? They probably think, okay, it's all about going out to clients, speaking to clients, selling a product, moving on to the next one where, you know, the operational and the, and the back end matters a lot more, especially now, I think, with a lot of ad tech expertise coming in-house to towards advertisers and agencies as well, being very um, ad tech driven and, and, and programmatic. Uh, driven uh, a lot of the campaigns now are, are programmatic, right? So you need to have that consultative approach. Yeah, and uh, I think you know, that was probably something that I might have been a little bit more unique about when I was even a, a seller. I don't know that I ever considered myself actually, I, although I worked in sales, so I never mm -hmm. really considered myself sort of a salesperson because my approach was always, you know, how do we develop something that's a solution that again is much more consultative? And, and I didn't like to do the small little deals where you're just trying to get to the numbers and sell the products and, and just get, you know, just make the numbers that you're trying to do to hit your, your quota for the quarter. In me, it was more about strategic conversations that you could have. Like, what are the assets that you have that you could, that you can bring that's going to solve and, and develop a real solution for, for a need that a client has. And, and that becomes a much different conversation than, Hey, just buy some ads on a page somewhere or on a TV screen. That's, it's really about what are you trying to accomplish and you know, what are your goals? And, and, you know, an auto manufacturer ultimately wants to sell more cars. How is your solution going to help them connect to people that's going to allow them to sell more cars? And, 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 and that's not just necessarily just buy this ad unit on this page or buy this video on, 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 you know, on a, on a video player or on a broadcast channel. It's, it's really about, you know, strategically understanding how you can build that connection to consumers that are going to help them drive their ultimate goals of selling more cars. And, and that's a, a different type of conversation. And even back in the days when I was at AOL, I wasn't thinking about, you know, just buying banners on a Rain Man screen back in the day mm -hmm. when people were dialing up to the internet. But, but I was thinking about, you know, can I create a new channel within the AOL home screen that's going to drive people to something that's going to be useful for them? And, and how do I work with a partner to help them then generate things that they need to drive their business. And I think, I think that's one thing that's been kind of lost in, in this industry is, you know, when you really think about what we're doing, technology is definitely transforming a lot of it. It gets complicated really quickly, but like I said before, at the end of the day, it's really about the relationships and the trusted partnerships and the people that you've made connections with that bring all that forward. And for you to create a strong partnership and relationship, it's really got to be a win-win on all sides. It's mm -hmm. not just about the advertiser winning in the way that they could connect with consumers. It's also about the people that are health facilitating that, finding a way that they can win with it. And then the publisher's also winning. And when you have all three people with the same objectives working in the right direction, 
is when you really see the effectiveness of what advertising can do to, to, to one, bring you know, responsible advertising to the right people and then helping you know, the advertisers actually grow their businesses as well. And, and you touched on people there. So how, how important are people um, within uh, the organization, uh, organizations you've worked with or your clients or your partners um, and, and, and comparing that to technology, you know, there's obviously different conversations. And I remember around about 10, nine, 10 years ago, um, there was just people talking about, okay, we're not going to need all these different uh, people within the agency or the publisher because everything's automated, everything's on, um, is bought through programmatic channels. But here we are 10, 12, year, 12 years on, if anything, there's actually more talent and more people working within organizations uh, rather than over-relying on, on technology. So yeah, it'd be kind of, it'd be good to understand from your perspective, the, the trade-off between technology and people and, and how you've seen that even developed throughout your career over the last 20 years, you know, was it really people heavy at the start and, and now it's dropped off on the agency side or yeah, it'd be good to understand that a bit more detail. Yeah. People, people are core to all of this, right. As I think is kind of the, the, the theme, you know, I think first and foremost, we forget a lot of times that, you know, at the end of the day, the consumer is the most important aspect of all of the advertising and how you're connecting with that consumer. And I think consumers quite honestly are are tired of, of advertising at times because we've all seen it. You, you go to a site, you buy a pair of shoes, and then a week later, you'll still see those shoes pop up, even though you've already purchased them. And I think what people get frustrated with is, is the technology is there to help you better serve ads, but it's not fully taking advantage of, of knowing when to stop at times. And I think that's what frustrates people. Um, but, but people have been the most important aspect of anything I think anyone can do in their career. And like I said earlier, like my, my knowledge around technology or the things that I've been able to learn and experience has come directly through conversations I've had. And I think, I think there's a, a fear sometimes about technology, that it's, that it's what you were saying, that, that it's going to create an environment where you don't need people to do things anymore. And I think mm -hmm. our, our view on that is it's actually quite the opposite is we don't, we want technology to be able to, to make things a lot more streamlined for us and easier and, and make people's jobs you know, more simplified so they can spend less time on tasks like aggregating spreadsheets together and <laughs> trying to develop a story out of multiple inputs that are coming together. We want to, we want to use technology to be able to do some of that work for people that arms them with more knowledge and intelligence that allows them to have more strategic conversations with other people. And so I, I think there's a, a bit of a misconception that people think that, that technology is here to transform and help <laughs> us cut jobs. So, that's, that's not what we're trying to do with it. I think we're trying to streamline some of the more inefficient um, activities that are happening across the ecosystem that allow us to have smarter conversations and more strategic conversations and more intelligent and informed conversations because of the use of technology, but not to, not to remove people from the equation, but just to make those conversations a very different conversation than, than a day-to-day -day task on, on how you're, how you're, how you're managing. Definitely. And, and would you ever say um, whether it's data or technology or too much of it is a bad thing. Um, are there any cases where you, you have seen it kind of overused when for the even simplest of tasks or to the simplest of projects, it'd be great. Yeah. Great to understand that part. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we all struggle with what is the right level of technology and, 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 and what's the right technology. I think there's so many opportunities out there and, and so many offerings and so many partners that all have really good value. And, and, and I think you look at, look at the transformation that's happening within the TV ecosystem. I think a lot of people are trying to move 
you know, in a direction that moves more towards addressability of more towards how do you understand the audiences that are in the TV ecosystem. But today there isn't one platform that can do all the things you need to do across all those ecosystems. And, and so you're still working with four or five or six different partners, mm -hmm. some of which have some overlap in what they do and some of which have very unique offerings. And you're trying to utilize the most unique aspects of those partnerships to drive value for your business and for your clients. But at times it's still overlapping with some of the places where you're finding uniqueness is other where, uh, other places. And I think, I think really, really the key is consolidation and trying to minimize overlap and duplication of where technology is doing similar things, but not aligned and together in one environment. And then we talk about this all the time, even with our partners, we have a lot of partners that are, you know, developing really, really intelligence, like audience insight platforms. And, and it really is based on the consumption that they have and the users in their environment. And then they're creating a dashboard or a platform that you can log into to look at those really unique publisher insights that you can understand about, about those, those, those consumers. The problem is that we're all creating a dashboard to do that. And now for us, as someone who's trying to understand how to navigate that, we have to log into 35 different platforms or to get one seamless understanding of, 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 of the consumers that we're trying to message across all of these different environments. And, and that's, that's almost. You know, it's, it's almost unrealistic to think that someone could actually take the time to log into all those things. And so I think the evolution of consolidation and more of the use of, of like open API development into single platforms is, is where we're headed. That's going to streamline some of it. And I think that will lead to further consolidation across the ecosystem and, and, and again, clarify some of the confusion that's out there in the marketplace. It's definitely an interesting point. You can, you can imagine media owners, ad tech vendors, always bringing their self-serve platform to the agency. So it's, re it's really interesting you mentioned that because, you know, one trader having 30 different uh, logins, it, it gets it gets a bit messy, right? So I suppose then it's just a matter of, matter of how much, you know, investment does the agency or the client want in that platform and whether it makes sense or not. But yeah, there needs to be something where it's all consolidated. And, and then there are companies out there, right, that can, can bring everything together or have a standardized approach, but I think we're probably still, uh, still far, far from that. Yeah. It's um, still very siloed, right? Yeah. Like I think there's, you know, there's, there's, and don't get me wrong. There is a ton of great technology and platforms mm -hmm. out there. And, and some of them have really, really strong uniqueness and in, in specific verticals or indices that they're, they're focused on. But I, I think what we've been doing as a holding company is actually building a technology infrastructure that kind of lays over top of all of that. Okay. So. So again, for us, it becomes more of how do we plug and play into each other through APIs so we can create a seamless environment to manage across the entire holding company and all of the hundreds of people that are looking at where to buy and how to buy and how to activate the buys. Um, we want that to be as seamless as possible, but we do find and, and we do try to stay you know, pretty open to all the different technology partners that are out there to find what's unique and what's going to drive real value for clients. But, but again, we can't afford to work with everyone individually in their mm -hmm. own platforms. We have to figure out how we bring that together so we can seamlessly operate in and out of those environments that are bringing, bringing the best value back to our clients. In the last couple of years, I think we've seen a lot of consolidation in the market, haven't we? Or mergers or acquisitions. So that, would you say that's helped you in a sense because you've had platforms join forces or, or been bought out? Yeah, I think, I think it definitely helps, right? I think, I think. You know, companies coming together simplifies, right? And you know, but I, I hate to go back to the old Loomiscape slides, but yeah. we've all seen the, the the massive amounts of opportunity and partnerships that could be done out there. That gets really complicated really quickly, and 
the more there's consolidation, the more, the more we can simplify the story and get to, you know, the right places. I think what we have to be really careful of though, is, you know, people playing on all sides. And, and I think mm-hmm. we've seen that sometimes too, where people are bringing together buy side, sell side and infrastructures, and they're doing it in a way that benefit themselves, not necessarily the ecosystem. And I think, I think what we have to be cautious of is, you know, do we have the right, the right approaches, the right, the right, the right, you know, the right regulation in place to allow those things to happen accordingly. That will, that will again, drive value ultimately for everyone that's in the ecosystem, not just for one player in that ecosystem. Definitely. And and I I couldn't agree more because you do have some players not naming any names, but um, they, there are, there are in essence, uh, marking their own homework, right? So um, whether if it's brand safety, if it's like I said, supply or demand side, um, kind of ticking off a, a lot of boxes. So I think that's definitely something that probably will continue, but it's all about education and communication. Like you said, having conversations in marketing really to understand what, what they're doing and what value they're adding in, in, in the complete chain. That's exactly um, so, right. Yeah, I think yeah, that's and, important. You know, in the, in the writing your home, home homework thing is, is interesting. Like I, there are going to be times where, you know, especially when there's a new, a new emerging mm-hmm. innovative opportunity, like you know, some of those things don't have third-party measurement opportunities that they can bring to market. And, and so there's a, a, a time where they have to be able to prove the value mm-hmm. of what they're doing. But again, I think it comes back down to, it's not so much about them grading their own homework as much as it's the transparency behind what they're doing and how they're mm-hmm. bringing that measurement in. And then most importantly, how we're able to bring it into the other areas of where we're doing measurement and, and, and combined it with that to be able to tell a holistic story not just a specific story for that specific measurement that's being done for that specific partner. So, so again, it's okay to be able to have your own approach to how you want to measure the effectiveness of what your business is doing. But I think it's got to be able to be seamlessly interpreted with the way that people are, are, are actually measuring business in other places too. So it's a cohesive story and not, not a, not a fragmented one. And do you think technology's help, helped in the transparency part? Um, and the reason I ask is because different, if we look at brand safety, for example, you've got IES, you've got Moat, you've got Double Verify, and then you've got all the publishers working. They've probably got an internal technology uh, or DMP that filters out certain things. And they all have different parameters, right? They're all technologies that work in different ways. So how can one, you know, tick all the boxes for each technology that's used? And, and I'm, I'm only telling you that from my experience, right? I've seen it and you've probably seen it on, on your side as well. Like how, how do you navigate the world if all the technologies are looking at different things to ultimately result in the, in the same answer, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's been a challenge that the industry has been faced with for some time. And, and again, look at the TV ecosystem, right? I think it's rooted in, in, in GRP economics that have been around on surveys from Nielsen for, for. 75 plus years. And, and again, it's been the measurement standard that people have used to be able to help them understand how they can buy scalable opportunities to consumers through TV, I think, but people want to start to now move more towards addressability. And we're currently living in this world of certain parts of the buy being measured by one aspect of a survey result versus another aspect of the buy being measured by like true digital signals that you see mm-hmm. through technology and platforms. And and, and, you know, the hardest thing to navigate is how, how do those three things come together? And, and certainly there's a ton of conversation around new currencies, potentially in the future. I think the hardest thing the industry has always done is we, we go out and we find a, you know, a solution for it. The problem is mm-hmm. we're going to find 10 solutions for new currency that we want to deliver until we eventually end up landing on the one currency that's going to be the, the best for, for everyone involved in the, in the, in the, 
in the ecosystem, but, but that takes a lot of time and it's a lot of testing and learning and, you know, and sometimes I think that's what, what helps, you know, or what actually hurts the industry is that it, that's where people start to go. It, are you, it, are you fully transparent with me? Are you doing things behind the scenes that you don't know about? And I don't think that's the case. I think the, the reality is, is we're trying to learn how to best navigate two really unique differentiated worlds as they come together so we can tell a more holistic story. And, and, and at times we, we could use more, more industry bodies that could step up and help navigate us in a direction. So we're all working towards the same goals instead of, instead of, you know, many solutions trying to solve the same thing with many different ways of doing it. So you continue to see this fragmentation within the ecosystem that, that, that doesn't help the ecosystem grow and perpetuate forward. And that brings in all of the the fear that there's things happening behind the scenes or the black boxes doing the work for you and you don't know exactly what's happening. And I think the more you're transparent and open those things up, the more people understand, you know, what's right for their business and what's going to make the most sense. Definitely. Um, and we, during our podcast episodes, we, we, we know the audience that we have is, you know, it ranges from media owners to agencies to client side and every, every, everyone in between. Right. So, sure. um, it, it'd be great to get from your your perspective and your experience, what, what's important to build a strong partnership and what have you seen over the years? Uh, ha what have been your strongest partnerships? And yeah, you can name names or you don't have to, you can give examples. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in every partnership and, and, you know, I don't know that anyone could ever say they're an expert in developing partnerships and relationships. It's, it's a lot of work, right? And, and, and I think the, the first thing that's most important is, is, is trust, right? You have to, you have to develop trust and, and trust, trust isn't, isn't just given it's earned and it, it, it's earned from being honest about really what you can and, and, and can't do together. And, and then adjusting as you go along and, and, and the you know, best example I can give is, you know, every year we're working with a partner and we're trying to figure out how we can grow our opportunities with those partners through multiple channels, whether it's through further implementation of data and technology that develops products and solutions we want to bring to market together all the way through, of course, to effective media rates for our clients. And, and, and again, that there's ways that you, you're, you're, you're talking to those partners about what you can accomplish if you could utilize and bring those things, you know, to the market together, but you gotta be honest about how much you can truly do and what actually is happening. And, and, and if you're not going to hit the expectations that you're putting in, into those partnerships, you gotta be honest about why and have the open conversation about you know, why you're not able to reach the expectations of what you thought you'd intended to mm -hmm. set out to do. And I think it takes time for you to build that level of trust that allows you to have the comfortable conversations that are open about what you're truly doing together. And once you get to that state of trust, then it really just becomes about how are we working together to grow businesses and, 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 and help support everyone. So, so everyone is getting their fair share of what they're deserved for, for bringing a solution that's going to help solve a challenge or a problem for a client. And I think when, when you start to have that level of a consultative conversation, instead of, you know, just a conversation around how do I get the most effective rate or, or I need to drive these rates down further, it really becomes more about, about, you know, how you're growing together and not about, you know, just me trying to negotiate for the best rate I possibly can get to do something. And I, and I think that's just a different mindset. And. And again, it, it, it takes time to build those relationships and that trust. But once mm -hmm. you have that, that's where you start to see partnerships really flourish. I think it's a really good point. Um, it, it kind of brings, it just uh, flagged something in my, in my memory, which going back a few years now when I went with my line manager at the time um, to present to a client over in Amsterdam. And I remember, again, having the same approach, very consultative. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. This is the roadmap. 
Uh, and I thought it went really well. I, 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 we finished the meeting, j- just about to you know go into the lift, and uh, my manager said, um, n- "Never mention you know what you can't do. It's always what you can do." And uh, yeah, I found that really interesting at the time because me thinking you know consultative is the best approach, building that trust, telling the client what you can't do and what's in the roadmap is just as important as what you can do. Uh, yeah, I find that really interesting. Just li- literally brought back that memory where you know I, I kind of in essence got told off for saying what yeah. we can't do but i think you know um you know fast forward now i, I would say yeah continue and, and you know have that open conversation with your clients because ultimately that's what builds that relationship and that trust yeah i i, I remember a, a really good friend of mine and, and close mentor that i've had who the advice that she had given me a long time ago was you know always under promise and over deliver no mm-hmm. matter what you're doing and i think that's something that stuck with me all of these years is you know Certainly, you want to over deliver everything you possibly can, but mm-hmm. but that comes with making sure you're you're managing expectations around what you're promising to deliver at the same time. And and it's it's again, like you said, it's is as much about why you can't do something as much as why you can. That helps people really understand you know what what what's going to make the most sense for you to work together. Mm-hmm. And you've probably had you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people pitch to you or, or sales sales people yeah, pitch to a you. Few, a few here been, and there, been, for sure. Been a few here and there, yeah. <laughs> Um, would you then say, you know, would you would you then say it's safe to say a lot of these salespeople have that short term mindset versus the long term and the thinking, okay, I've got to hit this million dollar target for the Q two, and uh, I need to, you know, get this budget in, and if I get this budget in, it's going to give me fifty percent, get me fifty percent closer, rather than develop that relationship for the longer term is that is that safe to say and is that what separates the best salespeople from the not so best not so good salespeople yeah i i think you know this might be just more of my personality and who no, i am than anything else but 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 i i'd say you know we're all under a lot of pressure no matter what you look at it especially now if you think about what's going on and the economy around us and the world and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty on what's going to happen next, whether we're heading towards a recession, certain markets are already in recession. And, and, and that puts a lot of pressure on people to, to, to be able to sustain, you know, what do you thought you could accomplish this year? And I, and I think people, you know, what we have to remember is that there are people behind everything. Like someone is coming in to do that because their job is to come and try to sell the offering that they have as much as possible because they're getting paid to do so. And if they can't do that effectively, then they can't put food on their table for their families. And I think sometimes we lose the compassion for mm-hmm. why people are doing things that they're doing. And and we just assume that they're just pushing something because they want to get it done yeah. or whatever it is. I think you've got to gotta build relationships to go a step further. Like what's the true meaning behind why why someone is, is really pushing for that at that time and, and try to understand the details behind it, not necessarily the, the, the front, you know, facing aspect of what you're seeing. Because I think... I think too often we we automatically assume yeah you know, we assume negative intent when there's probably mm-hmm. something else driving the shell behind the behind why you do that. Now, what what I think though is is also important is you know and and again when I was in sales I learned this a long time ago. Listening is really important, like hearing what people are saying, and because I think what where people get tripped up sometimes is they come in to just pitch their offering and their opportunity, but they're not hearing what's meaningful for us, and and I think. What makes people really successful is when they can understand, again, what are the needs that we have that are going to help us, that you can help solve, and not just, here's our product, this is what you should be wanting to do it. And, and again, it's just a different way of thinking about it and, 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 and trying to think about how you're 
solutions oriented and not just, just product oriented around my product is the best in market. Everyone comes in and says they have the number one product in the, <laughs> in the, in the space, but, but, and some of them are right. Some of them do have really unique offerings that make them really, really, really beneficial and valuable to our clients. But, but the conversation isn't about what your offering is. It's about what it does to help fill the needs that we have, that we have to drive for, for, for our clients. Yeah. I think you mentioned the key thing there is listening and I've been in so many, um, organizations or, you know, I've gone in on the programmatic side to support a salesperson, uh, and they go in and they pitch and for example, pitching everything about video and display and native. Um, but the actual team we're talking to is a, a display only team. So you've just wasted 20 minutes talking about video yeah. when, when, if you just asked a simple question, um, you know, what, what do you look after? What do you guys do? And having a little bit of an intro or back and forth before you go into the sales deck. Um, and, and quite early on in my career, I, I, I saw mis mistakes like that happening from other people. So, you know, every kind of conversation that I have, I try to do a little bit of research beforehand or even at the start of the call just to understand what, what is that person doing? What is their aim and their objective for the, whether it's for a brand or the department that they're in and then try to provide a solution for that problem yeah. rather than, you know, pitching everything and then just hoping one of the 10 solutions that you've presented to them ticks the boxes. Yeah. Like we've like said before, listening is important to be able to read the room, but preparation going into the conversation is almost as important. And, you know, I can't tell you the number of emails I get from all over the world that mm -hmm. are things that I don't even control or ever, yeah. or ever a part of like, Hey, do you need a new back office HR system? I'm like, I'm not anywhere near any of that. So kind of know your audience when you're going in, because it's only going to help you create that level of connection and understanding. And then once you're there, once you have the right material that you know is going to help support a solution, it's listening to where the pain points are that you could further solve and, and, mm -hmm. and bring to the table. So, you know, it, it takes time and, and the people that are really good at it really are, are kind of caring and empathetic and understanding mm -hmm. of the needs before they're selling the products. And I think that's, what's helpful to, to the people that are really good. Definitely. Um, more on a lighter note, what, where would you, what, about the industry, what, what excites you most about the, the industry uh, and the future of our industry? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, what, what's always amazed me about this industry is, is just how much innovation continues to kind of, continues to permeate everything that we do. And, and again, it, it started with data and technology, I think, and how, and that happens in every industry. Data and technology comes in to try to streamline and make things more effective and efficient and bring things to market faster, I think. But there's just a constant amount of, of new innovations that are coming out and new opportunities. And, you know, uh, uh, every couple of years, it's like you have to rethink what is the approach and the shape of, of what you could do. And, and, and that's what keeps it really exciting, I think, because, you know, most exciting for me about my career is that you're constantly learning. You're constantly learning about new things. You're constantly being exposed to, you know, a new way of thinking about how to do things or a new platform that can solve a different, you know, challenge that you have. And, and that's what really, really excites me about the future. And, and when you start to think about things like, like identity, for instance, and certainly we have a long way to go to make sure we're doing things that are right for people and they're protecting people. Um, but the reality is, is that the messaging and the way you can build a connection to a consumer for a brand is only going to get stronger with our ability to understand the data and the technology that allows us to support it behind it. And, and that's where you're going to get to a world where brands are really connecting with people and connecting in a way that they haven't been able to connect in the past. And, and it's everything from not just placing the ad in the right environment, but the creative message it's going to, that actually speaks to the person 
again, this is all about building relationships and connections and, and, and being able to show why your product is something that's good possibly for someone that might need that product at that time. And, and I think the more we can remember that, that all this innovation, all this stuff is about doing the right thing for people to get them the right mm -hmm. opportunities and the right connections and messaging. It's not as much about the craziness that's happening with all the technology mm -hmm. and all the things that are happening behind the scenes is I think the better off that we're, we're, we're all going to be. And, and again, that's what excites me is we're only going to continue to grow and get stronger about how we create that connection between our brand and, and, and the people that are most important that, that are their consumers. Yeah, I think definitely the, we need to take a step back, right, and think of the people and the consumers and not just think of all the technologies or the view through rate, the viewability, the CTR that we, you know, we're, we're, which is in our day to day, right? So it's, it's bound to take us, take most of our, our, um, our time up. But I think we need to, yeah, focus on, focus on the person. I think that makes sense. I think the more we can think about how we're connecting brands to people. Mm -hmm in a way that's meaningful to the consumers that are essentially the ones that are most important to us, the better off we're all going to be. The technology and the infrastructure and the resources behind all that will work itself out. It's really about creating a really responsible environment that's meaningful to the consumers that, that we're trying to, we're trying to message to. Definitely. So I've got uh, one final question for you. Um, if you sure. had a superpower in ad tech, what would it be? Super part. That's, that's a good question for sure. Um, you know, personally, I'd love to fly, but that's not, <laughs> that's not going to help ad tech at all. Um, you know, I, I'd say if it is, if there was a superpower, it would be a way to be able to, to educate more and to, and to be able to do so with kindness and compassion. And I think, I think so often we're, we're, we're caught up in, in the day to day and everyone's running around. There's a lot of stress, like everyone's trying. I think the more we can take a deep breath and just mm -hmm. you know, learn what we're actually trying to do and be honest and have open and honest conversations, I, I would hope my superpower would be that I can bring that calming demeanor mm -hmm. and, and, and conversation and education to why we're doing the things we're doing in a way that helps the industry get rid of some of the noise that's surrounding it and, mm -hmm. and, and really just bring everything forward to where it needs to be to, again, create those connections between brands and people. I think that's, that's what we'd ultimately want to do. Amazing. Thank you for that. Um, I think that's all we've got time for in today's episode. So thanks, Vincent, for your time. You got it. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Ad Tech Heroes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. To see all the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, head over to adtechheroespodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by SeedTag, the world's leading contextual advertising company. Contextual intelligence allows you to engage with consumers within their universe of interest on a cookie-free basis. By delivering ads into content, we capture users' attention faster and retain it longer. Learn more and reach out to us at seedtag.com.